All right, Hebrews chapter 11, if you would, please. And then we're going to pick up in the 23rd verse and read down through the 29th verse, a short account of Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Moses, while it highlights some of the watermark times in his life in these passages of Scripture and gives us sort of just a short resume and a biography, it by no means tells the whole story of this life or this leader that God had raised up. And like most leaders, he was somewhat reluctant when he got started. He wasn't thoroughly convinced that God had chosen the right person or that he was even qualified to do what God had called him to do. And that's what we're going to be discussing and looking at tonight is moving from being reluctant to being a responsive servant. So let's start off with the question, have you ever believed that you are not able to do what God has told you to do? And just by a show of hands, I imagine this is pretty unanimous with all of us. As I've stated many times before, throughout the years, I have learned to be more cautious about those that believe that they are God's gift to humanity rather than those who believe that they are the least among all the brethren. Scripture over and over again admonishes us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think righteously or soberly. Well, in order to do that, sometimes God has to take her from one extreme all the way to another so somehow we can land in the middle of the road. It's somewhat like overcorrecting when your car is out of control. If you're heading towards one ditch, you almost want to overcorrect so that you don't maybe hit the other ditch, but maybe all four wheels land in the middle of the road and you can keep going forward. I think in our life at times, we go from one train of thought about whether we're qualified or whether God is willing to use us or even if we're you know, in the same category of anybody else that is being used to understanding that over the course of our life and what he does in us, we find out maybe he's been using us in ways we even weren't aware of. So let's take a look at the life of Moses, and I believe that we're going to be encouraged by what we discover tonight. Let's start off with some of the words of Moses that identified his reluctancy. He says, who am I that I should go? What if they don't believe me? But I'm not eloquent, not in the past and not recently, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. Please, Lord, send somebody else. How will either party listen to me if I'm a poor speaker? 
since I'm such a poor speaker, how will Pharaoh listen to me? I don't know if you've ever wrestled with those kind of thoughts and maybe felt that way about yourself, but I know that most everyone that I know has it one time or another. Maybe you were picked at work to head up a job and you really didn't feel like you were really qualified to head up that particular task and you were somewhat dragging your feet and you maybe even suggested three other people that you believed were more qualified and maybe had more experience or were better speakers, better thinkers, better problem solvers, whatever it might be. But somehow you got nominated. Is that correct? Yes. Maybe even within the framework of being picked as a captain out on the playground as a kid, and now you had to pick the other ones, you thought, how did I end up being the captain? I, I feel like maybe I shouldn't be in that position. I know uh, at different times in your life, uh, the family may ask you to do something on behalf of the family, and you thought, how did I become the spokesman for this family? Uh, surely I'm not the matriarch. There's somebody else who's, who's going to be... Uh, who's going to do a better job. No matter what the scenario, whether it's work or whether it's family, whether it's just, you know, picking teams, but especially when it comes to maybe doing something in the name of the Lord. I mean, maybe we'll somehow accept the responsibility at work because after all they pay us, we sort of rely on that paycheck to a degree. And and maybe that, we're a little more popular on the playground than what we thought we were, or maybe we're a better representative of our family than the crazy uncle that everybody would really like to hang out with and do fun things. Speaking in the name of the Lord, representing him. Have you ever had someone compliment you? You know, you're such a good example of a believer or I really like the way you carry yourself and your light really shines and you're making a difference in people's lives. Do you feel somewhat reluctant to know how to receive that compliment at times? Remember the first time that I met my, uh, met David Blanchard, who's one of our missionaries uh, to Mexico, Cuba, and El Salvador. And he, uh, you know, David is a, is a sanguine. He's everywhere that David is, something is happening, and if it's not, it's about to. And he, he just has that kind of personality, and you just really enjoy being around him. He's a very uh, warm, welcoming, and considerate person. First time I met him, <clears throat> many many years ago, we were in Garden City, and he married a gal from Garden City, Kansas. So they're up visiting the church, and they're speaking. David comes up to me afterwards, and he gives me this big hug, and he says, how are you doing, man of God? And I thought to myself, wow, he doesn't even know me. That was his greeting, his salutation, as we would say. And I was really taken back. Um, I felt like, I don't know that I'm that. I think I'm potentially a good helper, Uh, I'm a good servant, Uh, I know how to, you know, I'm observant, but man of God, that category, that classification. So this is 
this is not unusual for us as people, is it? Who, me? We know the account of Moses, many of us in here. We've read his story. We've gone through the story in Exodus, and we've seen where he was and then how God used him. We saw, you know, how he, he, he did things at times that we do. Uh, you know, got ahead of God, uh, took matters into his own hands, took another man's life. Um, I don't know that any of us have gone to that extent, but nonetheless, these were the things that Moses used as conversational pieces for God to consider somebody else. He propped Aaron up pretty good, didn't he? Aaron, boy, he's smart. He is like the movie Help. Did you ever see the movie Help? You are are smart. You are... You are kind, you are important, and then that's what he thought about. Uh, what he thought about Aaron. Aaron is smart. Aaron's important. I'm, I'm not that. I'm a stutterer. I'm reluctant. I'm shy. I'm bashful. Uh, and we'll see here in a minute as we go through some of the reasons why none of that really changes God's mind. But at the same time, I think it's good to be honest with the Lord, don't you? I think uh, Moses was just really stating a case based on what he believed at the time. So one of the greatest leaders in history can identify with all of us and how we feel. That's encouraging to me. Romans chapter 11, if you want to find that, just turn to the left out of the book of Hebrews, and you're going to run eventually into the book of Romans. Romans chapter 11, and this is Paul's admonition to the people of God. He says in verse 29, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I think the King James Version said they're without repentance. In other words, God has decided what he's decided, and that's what he's decided, regardless of how we feel at the moment. And then I love verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Reluctant. The nation of Israel was reluctant at times also, weren't they? I mean, God had called them as his covenant people, had given them commandments and statutes and laws and ordinances, and they were to pass those on to other nations so that they could know God also, but they really didn't fulfill that aspect of their mission. They struggled with representing God. They struggled in speaking the truth to other people groups. And... God said, it doesn't change. My covenant with you is established. My callings, my gifts are irrevocable. And as verse 36 says, we eventually get to the place when we're more responsive and we look at what the Lord has done and we look back and we're humbled and we can just say, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And we give the credit where the credit belongs. We give it back to him. We give it back to him. So God is helping us to move from being a reluctant to a responsive servant. 
And how he does this, it's really his prerogative, his patience, his mercy, and his faithfulness. So let's go through. Seven's a fun number, isn't it? There could have been three. Three's a good number. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Seven, the number of completion. Ten would have been great. It's like, yeah, ten, that's an awesome number. Forty's a significant number of scripture, but seven will suffice. All right. Here's some things that I want us to consider and think about in the life of Moses. So God comes and presents what he wants to do through this man. And so God has a plan. Moses had to learn how to trust it and to trust him. That was a process. So if you're going to take notes, this doesn't happen initially. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. You have to hear this a lot. Because at first we're like, nope, no, 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 no. Drag your feet. We think it sometimes kids are funny dragging their feet, kicking and screaming, and we're the same way. We don't do it physically, but inside, that internal kid is saying, no, 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 no. Yeah, speak on your behalf. <laughs> yeah. My tongue's too short. Number two, with God's calling... We have to remember, he will teach, train, and equip us for the work. He's not just going to put us out there without helping us before he does. There's always a process. And the process isn't forever. And the process sometimes is quicker than what we think. Because once God lights your candle, once you know something, then you have something to share with somebody else. So don't misinterpret this that, You have to be a theologian for God to use you. Or you have to know everything for God to use you. As a reminder, God uses no-nots. There's a lot of things that we do not know. And that's okay. And it's okay to share with someone, I'm not quite sure I can answer that, but I'll get back with you. But if the light that you have, could you share it with somebody else? It may be the light that they need at the moment. Don't talk yourself out of sharing something you do know with someone who doesn't know. You have more than what you think you have. Have you ever thought, I don't have anything to say, I don't have much to offer, I'm sort of new, I'm a newbie. Isn't that a fun word? I'm a newbie. (laughs) How's that go over? Not real well. If you know Jesus, you know someone very special and some people don't know him at all. All you have to do is share what you know about him. That'll help somebody who doesn't know him. Number three, keep drawing near and beholding him. Keep drawing near and beholding him. Think about the life of Moses. What season could this be where all of a sudden Moses encounters God? A burning bush. So he's way past his childhood days and he's, You know, now in the desert, it's 40 years where he's not among his own people. And yet in this season, in this moment, God draws near to him and asks him, would you draw near to me? Take your shoes off. Won't you stay a while? Come a little closer. And he encountered and experienced God. I don't think that's the only time he did. I don't think the only time he encountered God was sometimes on the mountain. I think that there were many different ways in which he experienced and encountered God. 
he was responsible for, for building one of the greatest uh, edifices in, in Scripture is that he, he built the tent or the tabernacle in the wilderness. And God would meet with his people. Number four, God will use what he gives us to show others his salvation. So one of the things that Moses said is, how in the world am I going to know that you're with me? And he did make this statement. As he become more receptive, he said, okay, I'm going to go, but you have to go ahead of me. And then when I go, there's something that you have to do so that the people know that you're with me. Because if you don't go with me, I'm backing out. And God said, what? What do you have in your hand? See, what you have in your hand is much more useful than what you know, because if you take what you already have and you give it unto the Lord or the Lord touches it, that's where a miracle starts. Some of the things that you have gone through, some of the life experiences, some of the staffs that you had, had you walked with God, there's a very story that someone else needs to hear at this season in their life. So never, never underestimate the staff that's in your hand that God will use it to confound people. It's part of your story. So use it and tell it. and Let God do the miracle. Number five, God is a good steward of every season of our lives. So in the desert, yeah, he was using that. Moses, if he was going to nurture or lead Millions of people had to learn how to first take care of sheep. And he took care of not his sheep, but his father-in-law's sheep. He was faithful with somebody else's. And then through that season, he learned how to care for people, how to protect them, how to provide for them, how to lead them when they needed to move how they needed to move, the pace they needed to move, all of those things. So when he was leading the people out of Egypt, God used all of that experience. God redeemed his whole life. Sometimes the darkest or some of the seasons that we regret the most, God uses in powerful and profound ways to help others. Sometimes through our pain, we help other people find God's purpose. And sometimes in our misery, we actually find a ministry. Because God takes us all the way through it and we can say, wow, it's come full circle. I'll just use this as a quick example. Joyce Meyer to me is uh, an amazing story. Because by all means, she doesn't meet any qualifications and yet maybe has one of the most impactful ministries around the world. Her story is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. But when she stands to tell the story, you don't hear the heartbreak. You don't hear anger. You don't hear bitterness. You don't hear regret. What you hear is redemption. And all the people that she's ministering to It gives them hope that in their worst hour, God can take 
their life and give them beauty for ashes. That's really the hallmark of her ministry. So if you're not listening to Joyce, I'd encourage you, listen to Mama Joyce. <laughs> she, the story alone is the story of what Jesus does. It's very, very inspirational. All right. Number six, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Now, if you don't feel qualified, you're probably more qualified than what you think. He'll get you ready. He'll shine you up. He'll send you out there. It's a little like a kid that's reluctant to go up to the plate the first time that, you know, it's, he's passed T-ball and now someone's throwing a live baseball at him and he's a little bashful. And yet, you know, in his backyard or maybe amongst his friends, yeah, I mean, he's hitting the ball, he's having fun, but now he's at the ball game and everyone's watching. Mom and dad are watching and they have the nerve to pull their, their phone out. And they're going to video him and put him on, like, social media for the whole world to see. And he's like, turn that off. I don't, hey, 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 leave me alone. And he gets up there and he acts like he's never held a bat or ever seen a ball coming at him before. Sometimes we feel that way when God pushes us out and say, you're ready. You've been doing good in the backyard. You've been doing good with your friends. Go on out there. Go on out there and do it. And we're like, hey, hey, that's too much of a white light. He's like, no, you're ready. He's been getting you ready more than what you know. If you've been in a good church where the word of God's been taught, you've got a lot of seed in you. Be good to sow some of that seed into other people. Right? Someone's been watering your garden. Why don't you go water somebody else's? Yeah. Number seven, we are never too old to begin. So when he headed back home, how old was Moses? 80, yeah, 40 when he left, 80 when he came, 120 when he went home. So there was, in his life, there was, you know, humble beginnings, sort of a tumultuous middle, and a great finish. Why? Because he went from reluctant to responsive. Didn't always do everything right. Didn't always display himself in the way that he was proud of. But in the end, God got the glory. And we can say, without exception, I believe that Moses would say, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.